Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. and I get the privilege of being the associate minister here at PCC. And we're continuing this morning in the sermon series that we've been in for all of January, gaining a clearer vision of Jesus. And we've been spending our time just in this little letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a little church in a town called Colossae. And in reading this letter called Colossians, we've really just been honing in on one paragraph. Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20. It's those verses that you just heard read there in the bumper video. But uh, I want to read it again for us in the New Living Translation. So if you don't mind, would you mind closing your eyes while I read this? And uh, before I do, just breathe for a few seconds, let your body catch up with your mind, and then I'll read the text. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. You may open your eyes. If you remember anything from all this stuff that we've been talking about this month, I want you to remember this one thing. We are Jesus people. From the front to the back and all the way through, it is all about Jesus. He is the way we walk. He is the truth we believe. He is the life that we live. It's all Jesus. You might remember that we've, we've said that this Paul's letter here to the Colossians is a call to continue in Christ alone because part of what Paul's doing here is he's reminding these Colossian people of the benefits of being Jesus people. And it's a good reminder for us too. In fact, just in these verses right before that text that we just read, Paul says that through faith in Jesus, we have been brought from darkness to light, from enslaved to free, and from guilty to forgiven. All in just verses 13 and 14. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then right after that text we read, we see that also through Jesus, we have been moved from alienated to reconciled. He says in verses 21 through 23, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now 
he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And then later on in Colossians chapter three, Paul also adds that through Jesus, we have been brought from death to life. We have been raised to new life. Colossians 3, one says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We are Jesus people. And just in this little letter to the Colossians, we have seen that before Jesus We were in darkness, we were enslaved, we were guilty, we were alienated, and we were dead. But now, through Jesus, he says that we are in the light, we are free, we are forgiven, we are reconciled, and we are alive. We are Jesus' people. And how do we receive all of this? Scripture makes it clear that we are saved by the grace of Jesus. It's a gift. Through faith in Jesus, you can't earn it, and baptism into Jesus, being buried with him in death and being raised with him to new life. And this is the foundation of our church and of every Bible-believing church, this gospel, this good news, that you are more sinful than you could possibly imagine, but you are more loved than you ever dared to hope. Because Jesus Christ came and he lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we deserved and he rose again to new life. And now when we place our complete trust, our complete faith, our complete allegiance in him, we are declared innocent in the sight of God. We are Jesus people. And if that is news to you, if this is new to you, then I hope that you will choose to believe it, that you will choose to surrender to him and that you will find salvation and new life in him because there is no under name under heaven by which we must be saved. But for most of you, if you've been around for a while, I hope it's not news to you. I hope that you've heard all of that over and over and over and over again. And I hope you're not tired of it yet (laughs) because we're gonna keep hearing it over and over and over and over again because if we ever stop saying it, if we ever stop declaring this gospel, this good news truth of Jesus Christ, then we will lose sight of both who he is and therefore who we are because we are Jesus people which means that we recognize that no matter the problem, he is always the solution. We are Jesus people, which means that even when we fail, we need not be overwhelmed by guilt or shame or fear because when we follow Jesus, we are covered in his blood and we can move forward in his grace. We are Jesus people, which means that we cannot do this on our own, but every day we fall down again at the foot of the cross and we say, Jesus, today in everything, as in every day, we need you. We are Jesus people, and what we always need most is a clearer vision of him. So to that end today, we're diving into this text, this little paragraph, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and we've been exploring these four titles for Jesus found there. In the first week, we saw that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Second week, we saw that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation and the firstborn from among the dead. Third week, Steve told us last week that Jesus is the creator of everything. And today we're looking at this fourth title, that Jesus is the head, the head of his body, the church. Now, some of you might be somewhat familiar with that concept that we as the church are the body of Christ. It's a fairly common biblical theme, and there's a lot of implications that that has for us if we are the body of Christ. If you're going through Equip You right now, you'll be studying those implications here in a couple weeks. Um, But I get in trouble with the worship people if I preach too long, so uh, we can't cover all of them today. 
But if I had time, I would talk about how the church as the body of Christ means that there's a need for participation. That you don't get the head without also getting the body. You don't get Jesus without also getting the church. But I don't have time to talk about that today because my guess is the workers in the treehouse don't wanna wrangle your kids till two o'clock in the afternoon. So I don't have time. But if I had time to talk about it, I talk about how if we are the body of Christ, then that means that every part of the body plays a role. That means then that you have a gift and that you need to be actively using that gift. And that if you're not actively serving right now, using your gift, then the whole body will suffer. That if you're not serving, then this body will limp and never reach its full potential until you do because when one part of the body is inactive, the whole body suffers. But I don't have time to talk about that. My guess is you're gonna wanna like go to lunch or something after this on time, whatever. But if I had time, I would talk about how if we as the church are the body of Christ, then that means that we must constantly be working towards unity because that's what a body is, right? A unified collection of diverse parts. And if I had time, I'd talk about how in this building right now, at this very moment, there are thousands of differences that the devil would love to use to divide us. And if I had time, I would talk about how in John chapter 17, the one thing that Jesus prays for us, the one thing is that we would be unified, that we would be one, even as he and the Father are one, and that then and only then will the world know that he's from God. And if I had time, I would talk about how unity requires proximity, that you need to be around people who are different than you. And that if you're not in proximity with people who are different from you, younger than you, older than you, politically distinct from you, socially dislike you with different histories and families and preferences, if you're not rubbing shoulders on a regular basis with those kinds of people, then unity will be impossible. But I can already see some of you dozing off, so I clearly don't have time to talk about that this morning. But if I had time, I would talk about how if we are the body of Christ, then that means that the key to unity is humility and that behind any division and discord, you'll find the stench of pride and that in a healthy body, all the parts are humble. They all, they all play their part. They all do their job without getting jealous of the other parts, right? The eye doesn't scoff at the knee. The elbow doesn't get jealous of the toes job. They all play their role in humility, course I don't have time to talk about that so uh, but, but if I did have time <laughs> if I had time I would talk about how the body is the physical representation of the will of the head right and that if we are the body of Christ then that means that we are the physical representation of here him right here on earth and that that means that when people want to know what Jesus is like they're going to look at you so let me ask you when your neighbor sees how you talk about your boss and what kind of jokes you laugh at and how you discipline your kids and how you talk to your spouse, what are they gonna think Jesus is like? Fact is, you might be the only Bible that person will ever read. Of course, I don't have time to talk about that. So, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. I only have time to draw one truth from that today. So there's one nail that I wanna drive into your heart this morning and I'll phrase it as a question. Whose voice will you listen to? Whose voice will you listen to? Because we know this, right? With any decision that you're facing, there's a lot of different voices that you could choose to listen to. 
And yet I've become convinced that most of the people who want to give us advice really have no idea what they're talking about. Because <laughs> we have all these like cultural sayings that we throw around like they're true. But if you really stop to think about them, a lot of the time they're contradictory. And I don't know which one to follow. For example, let's say that you're thinking about investing in a small startup company. Which saying should you follow? Look before you leap or nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, let's say you're thinking about taking a business trip and you're gonna be apart from your spouse for a little while. Which one is true? Absence makes the heart grow fonder or out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> let's say you're gonna paint your house and you're trying to decide whether or not to ask your friends to help you. Which one is true? Many hands make light work or too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> You're thinking about whether or not to buy a new car. Which one should you listen to? A stitch in time saves nine? Or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, which voice are you going to listen to, right? And you know this. You know there's countless voices that you could choose to listen to if you've ever asked for advice, right? You know this to be true. Should I buy? Should I rent? Should I take the low-paying job that I love or the high-paying job that I can tolerate? Should you marry him or dump him? Should you have kids? If so, how many? If you're gonna have kids, how should I do the sleep training? How should I feed my baby? To spank or not to spank? What kind of education should I put my kids in? How many activities should they be involved in? I mean, ask any one of those questions or thousands more and you will get dozens of opinions. Some good advice and some bad. So whose voice Will you listen to? Because much of the advice that people throw around just simply isn't true. <laughs> I remember, I remember on, on the wall of my high school, there was painted in these big bright red letters, you can go anywhere from here, which sounds really nice, <laughs> but it's not true at all. I mean, I, I know myself. I know that I could practice 10 hours a day for a decade and I'm never going to the NBA Look at me, right? I'm five foot eight on a good day. Like my gene pool has cursed me with a four inch vertical, okay? Closest I'm ever gonna get to the NBA is the cheap seats at Banker's Life, okay? You can go anywhere from here. It sounds nice, but it's not true at all. So whose voice will you listen to? The Apostle Paul, he wrote about this to his young protege named Timothy because their culture was a lot like this too. And I think it's true for ours. In 2 Timothy chapter four, he says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And I'm afraid that some of us in the church have bought into a myth a piece of advice that we hear often, people throw it around a lot in our culture, and most people say it with good intentions, but it has deadly consequences. I'm convinced that the worst advice you will ever receive is this. Follow your heart. Follow your heart, people say. Meaning, do what makes you happy. Do what you think is right. Chase, chase, chase your dreams. 
Because we're, we're living in a world right now that denies any source of absolute truth. Any objective basis for moral authority that is external to us that has the right to tell us how to live. They say it doesn't exist. So they say if you want to find what's true, find what's true for you. Speak your truth. If you want to find meaning and purpose, look deep inside. Follow your heart. And I've seen the pain that this causes. We see people follow their heart and it leads to divorce. And we see people follow their heart and it leads to addiction. And we see people follow their heart and it leads to a life of relational turmoil and financial volatility and anxiety and utter isolation. But thankfully, there is an absolute truth. There is a moral authority who is outside of us who points us towards the path to life. You see, when I want to know true meaning and purpose, I don't look in here. Because the Bible says that my heart is deceitful. Scripture tells me that I have a heart that likes to lie. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In other words, I have a heart that left to its own devices is selfish and proud and sneaky and twisted and greedy and perverse. So I need a better voice to listen to. Here's the point. Jesus is the head of the church. And if Jesus is the head of the church, here's what I want you to remember about that. We don't follow our hearts. We follow Jesus. Because we are Jesus' people. And if we are Jesus' people, if we are the body and he is the head, then that means that we are a people living under Christ's authority. Steve told us last week that you can take this whole paragraph, verses 15 through 20, and sum it up in just three words. Jesus is Lord. And practically speaking, that means for us, if Jesus commands it, we do it. It's really that simple. And and just think about this. It makes sense to us, right? Your body exists to do the will of your head. And if that ever ceases to be the case, if your body parts just decide to do whatever they want to do, you got an elbow going off over here, a toe going off over here, an ear who decides he wants to take a vacation for a week, like your body is going to split up and die fairly quickly, right? And the same is true for us that in order for us to be a healthy body, we have to be unified in our obedience to the head. If Jesus commands it, we do it. Paul says it like this in a parallel text, Ephesians chapter one, speaking of God, he says, he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He's the head, we're the body. If Jesus commands it, we do it. That means then that if following Jesus means that we take an unpopular stance on an issue going on in the world right now, be it immigration or sexuality or education or abortion or biblical authority, our primary concern 
is not whether or not people think we're gonna end up on the right side of history. Our primary concern is to be obedient to the one who is the author of history and the captain of eternity. This means then that our highest goal as a church is not actually to meet your needs or even to ensure our own survival. Our highest goal as a church is to be obedient to the will of the head and we trust that in doing so, your needs will be met in the process. This means that when the elders met together yesterday to, to, to dream about the future of our church together, the very first thing that they did was they spent an extended time together in the word of God and an extended time together in prayer, seeking to and submitting to the will of the head because we are the body, he is the head. If Jesus commands it, we do it. And, and, and we've been talking so far about us corporately as a church, as a body, right? But, it, but if Jesus is the head and we are the body, then that also has implications on how you live as an individual, as a Christian. Did you know that that term Christian was originally an insult? The, the people in the empire, they saw the way that these followers of Jesus were living and they mocked them. They said, Psh, look at you guys, you're like a bunch of little Christs. That's what the word Christian means, little Christ. And the followers of Jesus said, hey, that's not bad, mind if we steal that? I think we'll use it. <laughs> and they have been. We're Christians. Little Christ, so my mom's the children's minister at my home church and I can remember every week in children's church, she would pray, dear God, help us to be little Jesuses. And there's some truth in that because if Jesus is the head and we are the body, then that means that Jesus is still here. He is still working on earth, but instead of him having just one physical body here on earth, he has one physical body made up of a couple billion physical bodies of his followers, his hands and his feet and his mouth and his ears all over the planet. This means then that everything that Jesus did while he was here on earth that we read about in the gospels, he is still doing right now, right here on earth. He is preaching the gospel through us. He is teaching people how to live in the kingdom of God through us. He is healing the sick and driving out demons and loving neighbors and pushing back the reign of evil and injustice on planet earth through us. And we may not have those like sweet little bracelets from 2002 anymore, but like WWJD is still a pretty cool question to ask in the decisions that we make. Because we're the body and he's the head. If Jesus commands it, we do it. His is the voice we listen to. So to that end, I wanna leave you with two challenges today. Don't start packing up. We still got like 10 minutes left. <laughs> Challenge number one, learn to listen. Learn to listen. We are living in a loud world and we need to learn to hear his voice. Take a look at this clip from the movie Race. Wow, the great Jesse Owens. Jesse, let's get back to basics. Why don't you swing from those bamboo poles over there, boy? <laughs> That's right, Chicka Let's see you hang hey, out so Jesse, far. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Just like getting back in the jungle, huh? Come on, boy. Yeah, do you it. Swing. <laughs> One more thing. Jesse, you want to tell me what was so interesting about the football team? I don't know, coach. I just got distracted. Oh, you got distracted. See, that's what I'm talking about. You can't get distracted. You understand? All right, Larry. Finish this up now. I got boys who need a shower. Yeah, one sec, coach. I'm not quite through yet. Sit down. Everybody sit down. Up. Sit down. Larry, 
Hustle these out of here. Yeah. yeah get them out. If you get your head turned by a few gorillas and warm-up pads here at home, what? how you gonna hold up the mission? What's he called gorillas? Coach, Coach Schneider. Schneider. Hey, look at me. Coach Schneider. A lot of people show up for the He's Big Ten meet. Coach Schneider. Not all of you gonna be on our side. You understand what I'm saying? Do you? Do you? You gotta learn to block it all out. It's just noise. That's all this is. All this is noise. You hear me? They will love you or they will hate you. Does not matter. Either way, when you're out there, you're on your own. Jesse, Jeffrey, do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, Coach, I hear you. Good. your life is anything like mine, there's a lot of noise. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you already got a dozen notifications on your phone, emails on your inbox, uh, meetings on your calendar, tasks on your to-do list, a whole lot of voices in your ear who would love to distract you from hearing the voice of God. And we have to learn to listen for his voice amidst the noise. Our, our son Judah is two years old and he's kind of like this uh, tightly wound hyperactive ball of distraction right now. <laughs> he just kind of bounces off the walls everywhere he goes. And, and, and a lot of the time when Rebecca's talking to him, like he's, he's not really listening. He's running around looking for something to break, shooting baskets, whatever. And so she'll say, Judah, turn your listening ears on. And he'll turn around and go, beep, 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 beep. That's him turning his ears on, right? And when he does that, then he's dialed in. He's ready to hear what she has to say. And you know, God's, he's speaking to us all the time. Most of the time, we just need to turn our listening ears on. And there's a lot of ways that God speaks to us, but, but there's three big ones. The word of God, the people of God, and the spirit of God. Three big ways that God speaks. The word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. That's why it's so important that you're in the word every day. That's why it's so important that you have other believers in your life who know you well enough to speak God's truth into your life. Now, one of my personal goals for this year is just to spend more time this year sitting in silence, just being with God, just learning, learning to hear the sound of his voice. I believe there's, there's two fundamental questions to the process of discipleship, that the whole process of following Jesus and becoming like him can be boiled down to two simple questions. Number one, What's God been saying to you? And number two, how are you responding? We overcomplicate it a lot, but it's really not that complicated. Just listen and obey. Learn to discern the voice of God and then respond in obedience. And those two questions, that our entire home group system is built around those two questions to help you hear God's voice and respond in obedience. And we do this in community, we don't do it alone. So if you're not in a home group, please, please, please join one. This is absolutely vital for the Christian life. We got another home group launch coming up next month. You can always sign up on mypcc.info, but please don't put that off. Because if you can't answer those two questions, what's God been saying to me and how am I responding? Then that's a problem. We have to learn to hear the voice of God, learn to listen. That's the first challenge. And here's the second one. Learn to obey. Learn to obey. I heard a story about a deacon, an elder, and a preacher who all went deer hunting together. And they're out there in the woods when all of a sudden a big buck comes out of the brush and immediately the preacher and the elder both shoot simultaneously and the, and the buck goes down. They don't know which one of them got it. So the deacon goes over there to, to check things out and he scopes out the situation and hollers back, it's the preacher's deer, preacher, preacher shot it. 
Now, the elder's obviously not too happy about that, so he hollers back, well, how do you know? And the deacon says, easy. The bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if that's true. <laughs> if you're married, you know that there's a big difference between hearing and listening, right? Yeah, hearing means, yes, the sounds that are coming out of your mouth entered my ear. <laughs> But listening means, yes, I heard what you said. You have my full and undivided attention. I'm processing what you said, and I will respond accordingly. We hear and we obey. We act upon what we heard. And the Hebrew concept of, of, of hearing, actually, when you see that word in the Old Testament, it means both listen and obey. It includes both things. In other words, it's not enough just to know the truth. You have to act on it. James chapter one says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's not enough for us just to know the truth, to come in here on Sunday and to hear the truth, to understand it, to be able to say and articulate it all, and then just to go out those doors and do whatever we want the rest of the week. It's not enough. Because Adam and Eve, they knew the truth. But they followed their hearts instead. And they ate the fruit and all of creation was cursed. And King Saul, he knew the truth, but he followed his heart instead and he made an unlawful sacrifice and he lost the kingship. And King David knew the truth, but he followed his heart instead and he slept with Bathsheba and an innocent baby died. And King Solomon knew the truth but he followed his heart instead and married foreign women and he was led astray from the one true God. And Judas Iscariot knew the truth, but he followed his heart instead and he betrayed the Christ for 30 pieces of silver and lost his life from the guilt of his sin. It's not enough just to know the truth and then to go out and do your own thing. The Bible calls that being double-minded. There's an old African proverb that says, the man who tries to walk two roads split his pants. <laughs> Thing is, most of us don't need more truth revealed to us. Most of us just need to obey the truth we already know. And when we do, then we can rest on the promise of Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. You know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And we see this over and over again all throughout the Bible, right? The voices around Noah said he was crazy for building an ark like that with no flood inside. But he obeyed and was saved. And the voices around Abraham said he was crazy for uprooting his family and leaving his home not knowing where he was going. But he obeyed and was saved. And the voices around Joshua and Caleb said they were crazy for thinking that they could conquer the promised land when it was filled with giants. But they obeyed and they were saved. And Peter, the voices around him, they said he was crazy for proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And they said that if he kept it up, he'd be beaten again, jailed again, maybe even killed. But he obeyed and was saved. And the voices around Jesus, they said he was crazy for going to the cross. Take the easy way out, Jesus. Turn those stones to bread. Take the easy way out, Jesus. Just bow down to me. It can all be yours. 
Take the easy way out. Jesus, you're strong enough. You can become a king without having to die. But even when Jesus' heart wanted an easier way out, Jesus did not follow his heart. No, he got down on his knees before the Father and he said, not my will, but yours be done. And then he went to the cross and he died and he rose again and he is exalted now as Lord over all. He is the head of the church and we are his body, which means that his is the voice we listen to. His is the voice we obey. Uh, this is Lex Gillette. Lex Gillette is a world-class athlete. He set a world record in the long jump. But the thing is, Lex Gillette is blind. And yet he's, he's meddled at each of the last several Paralympic games. So it raises the question, like, how does he do it if he can't even see when and where to jump? He listens. Lex Gillette has a close partnership with his trainer who stands there by the side of the track and claps. And Lex takes off and starts running. And as he does, he listens for the clap. He tunes out the sound, the noise around him. He doesn't pay attention to the audience or the crowd. He listens for the clap of one man, each clap telling him when to take a step and eventually when to jump. He listens. And when he hears, he leaps. So let's be a church that listens well to the only voice that matters. Will you pray with me? Jesus, this is my favorite time of the week where we get to take this piece of bread and remember your body and this cup of juice and remember your blood shed on the cross so that we could then be invited into your family, into your church, so that we could become your body. And we love being a part of this body and we love that you're the head. And I ask that you would reveal your will to us, that you would make us a church that listens well, that obeys. We don't just love getting to be a part of this body, Plainfield Christian Church. We love getting to be a part of the body universal. The other congregations and gatherings of believers all around the world right now, today, unified in their listening to your voice and in their obedience to your will. And so we thank you for our sister churches in this body with us. We thank you for Kingsway and for Chapel Rock, for Traders Point, for Hazelwood, for Clayton Christian, for Indian Creek, for Plainfield Bible Church, for the Church of Christ, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Catholics. We thank you that we together get to be a part of your body. And we ask that you would make all of us good listeners and that when we hear, we would obey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.